Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it, uh-huh, uh-huh, edition. As we look back at the Bengals' most impressive win in the year and a half that Zach Taylor has been head coach, an 11-point victory over the 5-1 Tennessee Titans, despite only having one offensive lineman available that started last week. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, post-game comments from players and coaches, and in-depth analysis from Dave Lapham. And this week's Fun Facts segment is with Amani Bledsoe, who tells us how he got the nickname Moose in high school. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the cordless drill. I am the world's least handy person. I can change a light bulb and fill my gas tank, and that's about it. But every now and again, I'm forced to do a minor project around the house, and when I do, my cordless drill, which I mostly use as a screwdriver, always seems to make the job 10 times easier and 50 times faster. It almost makes me want to tackle more do-it-yourself projects. Almost. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. On Friday afternoon, when the Bengals put out their final injury report for the week, the news was grim. Not only was Joe Mixon out for the second straight week with an injured foot, but three starting offensive linemen were down. Left tackle Jonah Williams, center Trey Hopkins, and right tackle Bobby Hart. And just when you thought things couldn't get worse, on Sunday morning, about 90 minutes before kickoff, left guard Michael Jordan joined the list due to illness. E. Gads. Joe Burrow, who was tied for the NFL lead in sacks going into the game with Carson Wentz, would be playing behind an offensive line with four dudes that didn't start the previous week. It didn't seem to bother him on the Bengals' opening drive. Burrow's ready, catches the ball. Three-man rush, eight in coverage. Burrow rolling right, cocks the arm, flings it deep downfield. A leaping catch, and it'll count at the 16-yard line. T. Higgins going airborne, going up and over former Bengals' first-round draft pick, Jonathan Joseph, to haul it in. Not only a great play by T. Higgins, but the ball is unbelievably thrown to the tightest of windows by Joe Burrow. That led to a Randy Bullock field goal and an early 3-0 lead. But on that drive, left guard Shaq Calhoun, starting in place of Jordan, made a couple of mistakes. And the next time the Bengals got the ball, Quinton Spain took his place. Spain was signed as a free agent this week and practiced for the first time as a Bengal on Friday. Here's Zach Taylor. We knew Q was going to be ready. He's been here for 24 hours now. You got to be ready. You got to go play ball. And and they got him up to speed and he bought in. And, uh, you know, we, we just we got him in there earlier than, than maybe we anticipated and um, just needed his presence in there, a big body. And, and uh, he did a great job. All those guys did a great job and just couldn't be prouder of that entire room. 
When Tennessee got the ball for the first time, quarterback Ryan Tannehill marched the Titans right down the field. First and goal from the eight. Tannehill fakes to Henry, looking left, receiver covered, scrambled right, throws into the end zone, intercepted in the end zone by Jesse Bates, and the Bengals take the ball back. In addition to his huge INT, Jesse Bates had 11 tackles and earned his first game ball in a Bengals uniform. Yeah, I think it definitely uh, set the tempo. Um, You know, our offense did a really good job of, um, you know, going down there, driving the ball down, kicking a field goal. Um, You know, our defense had our back against the wall, um, and we we got a turnover. It was a bend like you're doing the limbo but not break kind of day for the Bengals' defense. They gave up 218 rushing yards, 7.5 per carry, and 233 passing yards. But the Titans failed to turn all of those yards into points. This will be a 53-yard field goal try for Steven Goskowski, whose career long is 62. He's got the wind at his back, but Darius Phillips is standing below the goalpost just in case there's a return opportunity on this windy day. The kick is up. It hits the right upright, and it's no good. That missed field goal gave the Bengals the ball at the 43-yard line, and they drove 57 yards to score. A pass interference call in the end zone on former Bengals first-round draft pick Jonathan Joseph set up their first TD. First and goal at the one. Burrow in the gun with Pirine to his left. Burrow hands it off to Pirine. Samaj Pirine is in. Touchdown. Bengals as Cincinnati goes up by two scores. The Titans answered with a 10-play touchdown drive consisting of nine runs and one incomplete pass. Tannehill gives it to Derrick Henry, and he muscles his way into the end zone for the Titans' first score. Derrick Henry finished with 112 yards on 18 carries, and that TD made the score 10-7 Bengals with 6.04 left in the half. The Bengals kept the ball for all but 32 seconds of the remaining time. Fourth down and five at the Tennessee 43. Tightly bunched formation for Cincinnati. Burrow is ready for the shotgun snap. He's back to throw. Now scrambling to his right, plants his foot, fires down the middle of the field. Higgins has the catch at the 20 yard line of Tennessee. The Bengals have their issues, but converting on fourth down is not among them. Would you believe that Cincinnati is 12 for 13 on fourth down tries this year. That 22-yard strike to T. Higgins set up another score. They come to the line with 40 seconds left in the half. Third down and less than a yard. Burrow in the shotgun, gives it to Bernard. Geo right up the middle and into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals, as Giovanni Bernard flashes up the middle for a 12-yard TD. Nothing fancy there, boy. I mean... Come off the ball. Come off the ball inside, big boys. We got an an offensive line that is saying we can play football too. 17-7 Bengals at the half. Here's Gio on the play of the offensive line. My hats are off to those guys because they they work their off. My bad. Uh, they worked their tails off. Um, so they just, they deserve that win. And they, they went in and obviously with minimal uh, experience and they, they showed out today. A scoreless third quarter meant that the Bengals took the lead to the fourth quarter for the sixth time in eight games. This time they added to it. Bernard in the backfield to the left of Burrow on third down and one at the Tennessee seven. Burrow fakes to Bernard, throws into the end yeah. zone. Touchdown! Yeah. Tyler Boyd, the Bengals.
score in the red zone and lead it 23 to seven. Red zone touchdowns on third down. Third down touchdowns in the red zone are killer. And that was the Bengals' second third down red zone touchdown of the day. Here's Joe Burrow. It's really a four point play. You know, we talk about that all the time. Um, you know, if you don't get it, you take a field goal. But if you get it, you know, you have a chance to score a touchdown. And so we, we stole eight points there. It wouldn't be a 2020 Bengals game if they didn't make you bite your nails in the fourth quarter. First and goal from the nine. Tannehill will look to throw from the pocket. His pass caught at the six. A.J. Brown spins away from both Mackenzie Alexander and Will Jackson and runs it into the end zone for a Titans touchdown. That made it 24-14 with 11 and a half minutes to go, but a 49-yard kickoff return by Brandon Wilson led to a 44-yard touchdown drive. Joe Burrow rolling right, quick throw, caught by Gio, dives for the pylon, touchdown! Bengals as Joe Burrow connects with Giovanni Bernard and the Bengals lead is back to 16. It was another good day for Giovanni Bernard filling in for Joe Mixon. 15 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 16 yards and another score, and outstanding work in blitz pickup as Burrow was not sacked for the first time all year. Here's Gio. Wherever I can help my team win, um, I want to be there. Whether that is pass blocking, um, if they ask me to pass block every single play, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy. If they ask me to run the ball every single play, I'm obviously gonna be that guy. Um, I just want to be able to do whatever I can to uh, help this team win, and uh, we got that W today, which was huge. A touchdown pass from Tannehill to Corey Davis made it 31 to 20. A low snap preventing the Titans from adding the extra point. With an 11-point lead and roughly six minutes to go, the Bengals caught a huge break as a Burrow interception that would have given the Titans the ball in the red zone was wiped out by a pass interference penalty on Malcolm Butler. It would have been understandable if Zach Taylor decided to put the kibosh on any more pass attempts. But on third and six, with 2.08 to go, he showed trust in his rookie quarterback. He's going to throw it up the sideline. Back shoulder throw. Auden Tate comes down with the ball on the Titans sideline. It's a catch, and that should be Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. That was one of a career-high seven catches for Tate, who had four all season going into the game. He comes in here every day just waiting for his opportunity, doing everything we asked him to do. And I told him on Wednesday, I said, I didn't realize you only had four catches. We got to get you more involved um, because you've earned every opportunity that you should be getting. And he goes out there and on the play of the game, makes the most difficult catch we've had all season and, and creates the first down that wins us the game. And that just speaks to odd. And that just speaks to, to kind of what, what, this, what we, this team is going to be going forward. Burrow finished 26 for 37 for 249 yards and two touchdowns with no picks and a passer rating of 106.7. The quick passing game helped neutralize the pass rush as Joe was only hit twice. You know, we, we had to do that this week. I think we were in a unique circumstance. Four new guys in there at O-line, and I think they played great. Um, but we had to help them, and we, we, we got the ball out fast and ran the ball efficiently and did what we needed to do. Behind a makeshift line, the Bengals scored 31 points and held the ball for nearly 36 minutes. After the game, Zach Taylor singled out the starting center. Billy Price got a game ball because Billy Price is about everything that we want our players to be about. You know, a guy who came in with expectations, he's never wavered from that. 
his opportunity hasn't always been exactly what he thought it was going to be. Um, but he comes in with a smile on his face every day, goes to work, encourages everybody. What can I do to get better? Uh, play on the scout team. Do you need me to play guard? Do you need me to play center? Do you want me to start in this game? And, and his, his personality never wavers for one second and just couldn't be happier for, for Billy Price because he's earned this opportunity. And, and you never know how things are going to shake out. But um, just really proud of the person, the man he is, and the player. And uh, our guys can learn a lot from Billy. The final score, Cincinnati 31, Tennessee 20. Here are Zach Taylor, Jesse Bates, and Joe Burrow. This is the expectation. You know, they're, they're happy. We're excited. We earned this. Uh, we needed it, especially going into a bye, because these players have done everything we've asked them to do, and and uh, the reward hasn't been in the win column. They needed it, but but to say that anyone is shocked, it would be um, would be untrue. I don't think a lot of people expected us to win today. Um, you know, this locker room knows that, uh, and we don't really care, honestly. Uh, it's all about us, and we're like I said, we're going to continue to build on what we're building here uh, and the foundation. It's all about us, so. Excited for the future. Gives us a lot of momentum going into the bye week. Uh, much needed bye week, by the way. Um, you know, we, it, we needed the win today to feel good about ourselves and able to enjoy these next couple of days and, and kind of relax. Why is it a much needed bye week for you guys? Injury-wise, body-wise, everyone just needs to get their mind right. You know, we have a chance to, to rattle off a lot of wins here in the last part of the season. Um, it, it starts in Pittsburgh, and that's going to be a big game. You know, I'm excited to play in that one, but... I'm going to enjoy this bye week first. What are you going to do in the bye week? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> the Bengals hit the halfway point of the season with a record of 2-5-1. and one. Up next after the bye, the only undefeated team left in the NFL, the 7-0 Steelers, who beat Baltimore 28-24 on Sunday. Pittsburgh does have a game next week at home against Dallas. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Now, let's get some post-game analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. All right, Lap, we need you to put the performance of the offensive line into perspective because the left tackle, Akeem Adeniji, had played seven snaps before today. The left guard, Quentin Spain, practiced with the team for the first time on Friday. Center Billy Price is making his first start this year after failing to live up to expectations as a first-round draft pick over the last couple of years. Right guard Alex Redmond got cut before the season. There was no interest from other teams, so he came back initially to the practice squad. Right tackle Fred Johnson, a disaster at guard, now back to his more comfortable position at tackle. You played professionally as an offensive lineman for a dozen years. How incredible was it that this hodgepodge of offensive linemen played the way they did. Never seen anything like it at any level. Peewee football, high school football, college football, professional. Never seen anything like it. The circumstances that led to what you just described is is almost incomprehensible. And the fact that, you know, they want, you know a couple guys jumped, you know, a little jump. Because Joe Burrow is a master at the hard count. Joe Burrow will try to draw the defense offside with hard counts all the time. And as an offensive lineman, that's hard. You know, you have to get used to that. You have to have heard it. It has to be, you know, repetition in your in your ear that you can, you know, react accordingly. And for these guys in precious situations, third down to be able to hold their water as such when Joe Burrow's doing his thing trying to draw the defense offside. And again, there was there was a a jump, a couple of jumps, but nothing significant. The way they operated was unbelievable, particularly Spain. I mean, you know, he's played in the league six years, so he knows, he, he knows there's only so many ways you can block things. 
I remember a former teammate of mine, Mike Wilson, offensive tackle with the Bengals, got traded to Seattle on Wednesday, started the game on Sunday, played the whole game. And I talked to him about it after the game. I said, was it just a matter of another lineman saying, this is, we call it this. What did you used to, I used, we used to call it this in Cincinnati. Okay, well, here it's this. So every time they break the huddle, come to the line of scrimmage, they translate to make sure that he had the right schematic in mind based on, in his mind, he's hooking that into what they did in Cincinnati until he was there a longer period of time. To handle all that and not make mistakes is incredible. Up and down that line of scrimmage, to have so many variables, you know, five variables on every single play, for them to play like a fist, you know, where uh, to, they were better together. All five components were better together than any, any one individual guy. Remarkable. Remarkable effort by those guys. Remarkable effort by the offensive line coaches, both of them, to get them ready to play. Uh, remarkable game plan to help them in protection, getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand so fast. Literally, a lot of us, he catching the shotgun. It's out. It's out. I mean, defensive linemen are thinking, I mean, they don't need an offensive line. I can't get there. If I get in a sprinter stance and he takes that shotgun snap, I can't get close to him before he's getting the ball out and hitting somebody with it. And it wasn't like that every snap, but a good number of snaps it was like that. And that, that frustrates the defensive line. So every component of it, I mean, take multiple bows. Every single person involved with that whole thing, the game plan, the people that executed it, the people that put together the game plan, check, 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 check. Everybody should get game balls. They should have, you know, whole offensive unit should get game balls. Well, somebody who did get a game ball was Billy Price, and head coach Zach Taylor was effusive in his praise for Billy after the game. He represents everything we stand for with his attitude and his work ethic and stuff along those lines. He's basically played two games in a row now because Trey Hopkins left with about three and a half minutes to go in the second quarter last week with a concussion. Billy's played well. Is there a chance that Billy Price is salvaging his status as a first-round draft pick now that he's back at center? It's a work in progress, but it's heading in the right direction. The arrow's going up. And, and Billy Price handled it exactly the way you would want to handle it. He wants to start. Everybody wants to start. Everybody's frustrated when they're not starting. Compare and contrast how Carlos handled his situation. Now, he was a starter that was demoted. That's a little bit different than never getting a start. But you come in as, you know, the Remington Award winner at center and, the, you know, the first-round pick and all these things. I mean, you come in highly decorated. It's, it's anticipated you're going to be the guy. And then you're not the guy. What did he do? Went to the coaches. What do I need to work on? Where am I deficient? What do I need to do? No sulking, no moaning. Not happy. Obviously not happy. Not satisfied. Um, you know, working with the, the look squad, the scout team, working against the number one defensive lineman, giving him the best look that he can give him, trying to improve his technique. And is he a work in progress still? Yeah. I mean, everybody is. He is. But, boy, his level of play has improved. I mean, his confidence level is probably at an all-time high now. And uh, these guys are in the NFL for a reason. And sometimes when your confidence gets shaken, that's the biggest problem, the biggest component. Man, to get your confidence back when you lose it can be tough. And I think Billy Price is getting that confidence back now. And the fact that you were able to maintain your confidence through the, through the dark times, I think is big. And adversity. How much more adversity could this team have, have had? <laughs> there was not a starter, a week one starter, anywhere in the offensive line. They still hang over 30 on the, on the, the, the Titans. Are you kidding me? Adversity, 
builds character, adversity reveals character, adversity exposes character, both good and bad. And uh, a lot of good character was exposed today. Let's get back to guard Quentin Spain, who was signed as a free agent this week, practiced on Friday, got in there early today and played most of the game at left guard. He started 66 games in his NFL career. He was good enough in Buffalo last year that they gave him a three-year, $15 million deal in March. Ultimately didn't work out in Buffalo, but... Do the Bengals have a new starting guard? He's 6'4", 330 pounds, 29 years old. Powerful, physical. I mean, some of the runs that were busted up the gut between uh, between the tackles, he and Billy Price, he and Adenich. I mean, when they were doubling, they were moving down linemen. The first thing you need to do on a double team is to move the down linemen. Make sure you do that. If you don't move the down linemen, you're being consumed by two linebackers in hog heaven. If you're moving them, now the linebackers got problems. A guy could be in my lap. I need to make a decision on what side I'm going to try to fill. I mean, it's a totally different football uh, play in that point in time. So, yeah, I mean, Spain. <laughs> and so something must have happened with Calhoun. I don't know if it was physical, but the coach has determined eh, he's in over his head. If it wasn't physical, he's in over his head. Let's put Spain in there. Spain's got a lot of experience. We know Spain can play. And Spain went in there and played his tail off. And Everybody uh, said after the game was communication, communication, communication. And there's how about how about Spain um, coming up to the in, into the huddle, and he's got a rookie at left tackle, and he's played you know maybe three offensive snaps at the tackle position, not the extra tight end and all that sort of thing. And then you have Billy Price at center. It's like, well, I, I need somebody, Billy, translate for me, will you? Because and I'll, you're going to have to translate for both of us. Although they say Adenogy, one of his biggest assets is his intelligence. And, man, they've got three smart tackles. They have two smart centers. And intelligence, football intelligence, gives coaches a lot of confidence. And, uh, and I'll tell you, that's, a, that's another thing that the Bengals have in spades. And it was proven today, once again, to be able to – people just don't understand how hard that is. And, and you're, you're going against a guy like Simmons, <laughs> who's – you know, one of the premier players in the National Football League. You have to communicate everything right, execute everything right, you know, not, not have any, any false steps, any false movements, any false anything. It's hard, man. It's not – you can't – well, I guess you can. Spain walked off the street and did it. But he's, he's got a lot of experience in other places, though. Jesse Bates got a game ball for his first quarter end zone interception, but I thought this was Von Bell's best game in a Bengals uniform. He had an interception that unfortunately was wiped off the board because of the uh, pre-snap penalty on Carl Lawson, but it seemed to me that every time they threw it in the direction of whoever Von Bell was covering, he was there, and his coverage has been a a question mark, to, to put it nicely, so far this year, but we know nobody works harder. He's in the building at like 5 in the morning every day, and uh he really did a solid job. It's good to see hard work pay off because I agree with you. I thought he had his best game as a Bengal, no doubt. Coming downhill, you know, I, route recognition, breaking on the ball, doing all the things you need to do. You know, I had two, two interceptions nullified. Unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's almost, it's almost in, there's so many things happened today with the offensive line. I, I don't think I've seen two plays like that in a short time frame uh, nullified like that. Um, and then the Bengals' throwing interceptions is nullified by pass interference. That, that was a crazy sequence of, of football. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I think the, the, the safeties as a tandem, I think it shows what they can do. And the, the amazing stat to me that had been lost because they'd been so bad in the fourth quarter defensively, five out of the first six possession, first possessions now by opponents, five out of the last six games, they've gotten a takeaway. That's, that's, 
that's a hell of a way to start a football game. And, you know, that, that gave the Bengals early momentum and gave them going into the fourth quarter with leads. But then they were so bad in the fourth quarter, people, you know, it nullified what they'd done in the quarters one through three to help get to where the team was in the fourth quarter. But it was good to get one today. And uh, this is the third game in a row, uh, third first drive in a row. They've gotten a turnover, five out of the last six, and, and then to finish it in the fourth quarter with better performance. Auden Tate targeted seven times, seven catches, 65 yards, one big third down catch after another. I'll tell you what, it's four legitimate receiving targets now because although A.J. Green didn't have a particularly big game, he's been great the last couple of weeks. More big catches today for for Higgins and uh, Boyd, and now Auden Tate comes up big. You know, Tennessee had run a bunch of cover two, so I thought tight ends and running backs are going to be big in today's passing game. You know, they were they were putting, you know, seven, eight, nine in the box. I mean, Joe made a lot of his plays to the perimeter, to the outside, and, and making accurate throws. And Auden Tate is so big and so long, six five, long arms, uh, you know, vice hands. When he gets his hands on the football, defensive backs can't separate him from it. And he made what, seven targets, seven catches. Unbelievable. He was he had a perfect day. That gives Joe Burrow a lot of confidence. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, Tyler, Tyler Boyd, is, he's got a lot of chemistry going with Tyler Boyd. Got a lot of uh, chemistry going with T. Higgins. And, you know, A.J. is doing what he's doing. And you add this to the mix. I think I've, you know, I've talked about it before. Back in the day when we had one of the best offenses, the best offense that I ever played on, 1981-82, Kenny Anderson attacked through Lindy and Fani, the offensive coordinator with the game plans, attacked every part of the field. And every player came in when the game plan was being presented, what's he got me doing this week? That's what's starting to happen here. They, we expected to go out and score 30. We expected it. This team's starting to expect to go out and score 30. And who's going to do it? How many guys are going to be involved? They can't take everybody away. Okay, this might not be my day because they're tilting covers me, but you guys, man, feast. Have a day. And unselfish. You know, step up, make plays, multiple guys to do it. That's what the our offense was all about. We had great guys executing it, and MVP quarterback, have a rookie of the year quarterback executing it here to all these weapons. I'm telling you, man, their confidence, second half of the season is going to be very interesting to see what level they take it to because I don't care who they're playing. The rematch against Baltimore here is going to be interesting to me because they were embarrassed by the Ravens, the way they played and only putting three points on the board interesting that'll be a big barometer and when they play Pittsburgh twice in the second half of the season against a really really good defense because you know Tennessee's not that good defensively and a lot of teams they've hung 30 on is not really a big test defensively like Pittsburgh and Baltimore will be that'll be the litmus test and I'm very excited to see how they'll play against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh after the bye and then Monday night football here and then finish the season against Baltimore. Trade deadlines Tuesday at four o'clock with Green, Tate, Boyd and Higgins if you can get anything for John Ross the Bengals make that deal don't they I think they do better take Billy Price off the trade block (laughs) the way he's playing I mean it's 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 remarkable when when all hands are on deck when all guys are healthy they're gonna have so much depth at the interior offensive line positions Um, you know again Everybody has trouble at the tackle position in terms of level of play, number of guys out there. There's a shortage of edge people, offensively and defensively, tackles and pass rushes, and the Bengals are no exception. But, yeah, it's going to be uh, 
it's going to be very interesting, Dan. I mean, uh, no, no question about it. I was amused when you asked Joe Burrow what he planned to do during the bye week. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, recharge the battery mentally, physically, every way you can do it. And it's, it's great going into a bye week with, I mean, the, 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 the betters, the gamblers, the point spread setters, they had it at like three and a half, four. All the offensive lineman changes happened. It went to seven, seven and a half. <clears throat> I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes you, it doesn't work out the way you anticipate things. And uh, kudos, kudos to all these guys for stepping up and being part of a, of a upset in the National Football League. But in, in my mind, there aren't really big upsets in the, in the National Football League. But to beat this Tennessee Titan team by two scores, that's a job well done. I'll tell you what else is nice for Joe Burrow. He doesn't have to go, uh, you know, sit in a hot tub for a week after this game. Hit twice, wasn't sacked at all. First time all year he's not been sacked. He was getting hit an average of nine times per game coming in. Two QB hits behind a makeshift offensive line. And I'll tell you the Houdini-like effort he had mm-hmm. to prevent a sack. I mean, every one of those offensive linemen should go up and kiss him on the forehead because it was a clean game because of his footwork. And his, his making miss ability, I'm telling you, everybody underestimates the athletic ability and the short space quickness and the jackhammer feet of Joe Burrow. I mean, the dude did it in the SEC, and he's doing it in the National Football League. The guy can extend plays with the best of them. And, man, he just sees the field. He, he's, as A.J. Green said last week or a week before a couple of times, and it's so true. It's one word, and it says so much. He's special. There's no doubt Joe Burrow is special on every level you want to talk about, every category, every box you want to check. Special, special, special. This was a great weekend for me. Bearcats won. They're up to number six in the country. Bengals won. Badly needed second win of the year. Second win of the year. And we had very few trick-or-treaters. So (laughs) I've got a gigantic bag of Reese's peanut butter cups and take fives that are merged with the Reese's, like the Reese's Take Five. Have you had that I yet? I have not. Yeah. Oh, I gotta so check good. That out. I got to check that out. And while I'm thinking of special for Joe Burrow, we're talking food. What about Special K? Step up. Step up. Give Joe Burrow. Call it Special Joe, not Special K. Yeah. <laughs> How about giving him a little endorsement on, on cereal? Uh, yeah, Halloween, man. All, all our extra candy, candy, I would have loved. My wife, Lynn, going to the grandkids. <laughs> Come on, Lynn. You're better than that. For more on Sunday's win over the Titans, join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line, Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment, as you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with defensive lineman Amani Bledsoe from the Sunflower State, born in Wichita, Kansas, before attending high school in Lawrence. Tell us a little bit about growing up in the heartland, Amani, and, and some of the things you liked to do when you were young. Growing up uh, with five other brothers, definitely pretty crazy, you know, growing up very competitive in all kinds of sports. I mean, Thanksgivings were even competitive. You got grandpa catching passes on uh, flag football. So, I mean, just things like that. Uh, always get the family involved in some kind of competitive sport or activity. Five brothers. Where did you fall on the totem pole? I am the second youngest. So yeah, fifth. So those big brothers are beating you up. Yeah. Me and the youngest got it a lot. So it definitely made us tougher, but um, learned a lot from them and helped us keep that competitive edge as well. 
We're doing fun facts with Imani Bledsoe. I read you moved from Wichita to Lawrence in the eighth grade. That can be hard when you're young. Was it for you? Yes and no. I mean, it's always tough leaving friends. Um, but when mom gets a new job, you know, got to do what's best for the family, you know, and um, made a lot of great friends in Lawrence and had a lot of great memories um, playing ball with them as well. So, I mean, it's uh, everything happens the way it's supposed to for a reason. There are some high school highlights of you on the internet labeled Amani Moose Bledsoe. How did you get the nickname Moose and does anybody still use it? So some still use it to this day. Um, it just, uh, when we initially moved to Lawrence, we didn't go to like any of the Lawrence schools. Me and my younger brother, Amiri, uh, went to Oskaloosa, a little country school. And um, one kid just uh, called me Moose one day. He's like, I call him Moose. And it's stuck ever since through high school and a little through college. And so we'll see if it sticks here or not. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. So you were a highly touted prospect at Lawrence High School in Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas is located. So was there a lot of pressure to attend KU? There was. I mean, you're right there at home. You know, uh, you got your family there, your friends you went to school with. Um, and you always have a great relationship with all the coaches from KU, um, especially the ones that have like Lawrence high ties or like born and raised in Lawrence, you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, I believe I made the right decision, did a lot of praying about it and um, everything happened the way it's supposed to. So, yeah. We're doing fun facts with Amani Bledsoe. I'll say you made the right decision. You went to Oklahoma and you played with two Heisman Trophy winners. You went to the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the national semifinal. What were some of the highlights of your entire college experience? You know, I would say like just the intensity and competitive nature of like not even just like the game, the championship games, but like especially the practices, you know, like iron sharp with iron, you know, like we're all helping each other get better. And you're always in practice, have great competition, great physical practices, like throughout the week that prepare you to play the way you need to play on uh, Saturday. So, I mean, just that competitive nature and the tradition of, of OU, you know, and winning championships and things like that. Amani, despite your excellent career, you went undrafted in 2019. Was that a big disappointment? Yes and no. Obviously, you have your goals. Um, but at the end of the day, I trusted in God and uh, stayed the course, um, put my head down, went to work. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what it is and what you do, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish and how people are going to remember you. So still trying to build on that and uh, take it day by day to become a great player and just get 2% better each day. We're chatting with Amani Bledsoe. You don't tweet very often, but when you do, it's usually to thank God. Were you raised in the church, and is it important for you to share your faith? Um, that's uh, probably the biggest thing with me in my life is uh, keeping God first and advancing his kingdom um, and just trying to be bold in my faith. You know, um, it can be a challenge at times, like getting into new places, uh, wherever you are with people, meet new people. But um yeah, I'd definitely say my faith is the biggest thing about me on and off the field, just keeping God first, um, involving him in every little thing I can do in my life, whether it's just thanking him, waking up in the morning, just being on the field, thanking him before I practice. It would be like before a series, like, just thank you. I get another opportunity to play the game I love. So just having those little conversations with God, involving him with everything in my life, things like that. We will finish up with a few wild card topics as we do fun facts with Amani Bledsoe. 
who is your favorite athlete of all time in any sport and why? I'd probably say that all the sports, probably Kobe. Um, because one of the big things with me is like keeping a strong mindset and like keeping a solid mindset in everything you do. And like one thing I picked off from him is like he's always had a strong mindset in whatever he does, whether he's winning, losing, or just being him. Like he keeps a strong mindset and it's contagious to others. So I'm not the loudest guy, but I mean, leading by example, I try to do and creating and keeping a strong mindset and helping others when I can. Do you try to have a Mamba mentality? Somewhat, yeah. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, world leader, etc., who would that be and why? Probably Denzel Washington. I think that would be a fun one just because I'm like, he's pretty great at what he does and he also keeps a strong mindset and very inspiring to um, all platforms and all kinds of people. Um, whether he's acting or just out speaking to people, you know, like he's had that tenacious mindset um, to be great at what he does and to not be complacent at what he does as well. What do you like to spend your money on? I don't like to spend much because I'm more of a window shopper, but when I do, it's probably food. I mean, <laughs> I love my food. So just any kind of food, whether it's like buying stuff to cook at the house or just going to eat out here or there. You cook? Do you have a go-to dish if you're trying to impress somebody? I can make some really good chicken parmesan a recipe um, I got from my older brother. Um, kind of a family recipe now, uh, but we got it down pretty good now. All right, final fun fact for Imani Bledsoe. As I mentioned, you played with two Heisman Trophy winners at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. My question pertains to Baker. What do you think of his acting in all of his commercials? It's definitely fitting because he's, he's definitely a character. I mean, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get out of him, but he's a funny dude. Uh, he's got contagious energy, you know. But um, I think it's very fitting and very entertaining to watch. As the broadcaster for the Bengals, I'm not allowed to like the Cleveland Browns quarterback, but I've got to admit he's really good in commercials. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. That's all I'm going to give him. Amadi, this has been fun. You're off the hot seat. Appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. I appreciate it, Dan. My thanks to Amani Bledsoe, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.